0: Welcome to Creating Dangerously. Our name is taken from the Albert Camus 1957 lecture, Create Dangerously, where he said, To create today is to create dangerously. Any publication is an act, and that act exposes one to the passion of an age that forgives nothing. In Creating Dangerously, we look back at those who have created dangerously to those who continue to do so today in an age that still forgives nothing. I'm your host, Skip Shea. So let's create dangerously. Okay, well, uh, welcome everyone to the uh, premiere episode of Creating Dangerously, sponsored by the Shauna Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit. Um, And I'm your your host, Skip Shea. I'm the executive director of the Shauna Foundation. And I'm joined with... Somebody go first.
1: <laughs> uh, I'm Patrick Bracken. Uh, I am uh, a an amateur actor. Um, my grandfather was the great Eddie Bracken, uh, an actor from the 40s and 50s. Uh, and I'll pass it over to Andrea.
2: Hi, I'm Andrea Wolanin, and I am a writer and director um, who has no historical family in film, as far <laughs> as I am aware. <laughs>
0: and and i, I like to patrick said he's an amateur uh uh actor so he's just outing me to the world that i've never paid him for the work he's done for me
1: sick burn <laughs> sick burn patrick
0: so, <laughs> like, oh that's wonderful um
1: so i'm uh, an amateur in the sense of not very good
0: <laughs> that, I don't well, know, let the that, audience that, that, decide yeah, that that outs me <laughs> as something else as well i guess <laughs> that's well that's because we create dangerously we're, mm-hmm. we're amateurs who don't know what the hell we're doing um <laughs> So to create dangerously Camus um this was a lecture he he gave uh, you know as for the people who don't know Albert Camus and and I'm I'm gonna say Albert I'm not gonna say Albert you know because I think I I'm I know it's I probably should say it all the French way but at least I I get I'm not saying Albert Camus. <laughs> so I, I think I think I get some some credit for saying it half half right. Um, but he he was a French native, but born in Algiers, uh, and eventually moved back to France just in time for the Nazi occupation. Uh, and he became um a, a big figure in the underground, uh, in particular with writings and, and and editing. Um and from everything he saw there, he he is philosophy of uh, absurdism came from that. Um, and then he he spoke in, in his lecture about the importance of of artists to, to take these risks to create dangerously. And, and he said in, in the lecture, to create today means to create dangerously. Every publication is a deliberate act, and that act makes us vulnerable to the passions of a century that forgives nothing. And that was last century. <laughs> um, but I think it still fits today. What, what do you guys think?
2: Absolutely. I think in that specific passage, when I read that, one of the things that I appended automatically in my mind is, and now forgets nothing either, um, with the advent of the internet and and how everything there is captured and almost never gets lost, is honestly, as an artist there's stuff I did in college that I'm real glad I wasn't alive (laughs) that I wasn't creating the stuff that I was experimenting with in college when, you know, things um, like archive.com where you can just go back and back and back on websites and where everything was saved in a way that was dangerous, you know? Um, Again, it's creating dangerously, but some of that stuff can come back to bite you, which I think is inherent to this discussion too and to what well, he was saying
0: <laughs> it, it, it's interesting because at part of the shauna foundation we run two film festivals the shauna shea film festival and the mass indie film festival and i just uh got a message from a filmmaker and asked if we could take down uh his interview at mass indie um mm. and um mm. i watched it i'm like i i'm not gonna out him but i, I watched it i'm like there's nearly nothing offensive here but sure i'll, mm. I'll take it down um but I, I found so clearly he's there's something he wants erased um, or not found, uh, and, and I <laughs> and I found that curious. Um, is you know especially most artists you know the the flip side of that is it, it, with the internet today there there are artists who who don't create dangerously but but they you know create themselves and it's all about themselves online it's not about the art and and they're creating some sort of persona or some sort of brand. Uh, without really saying or creating anything else, I, I think the internet has has brought us that. Which is, um, well, actually, that's the the next quote I have here. Any artist who goes for in for being famous in our society must know that it is not he who will become famous, but someone else under his name. Someone who will eventually escape him, and perhaps someday will kill the true artist in him. Um, he he really doesn't pull any punches when he says <laughs> <No>, this. No. <laughs> It kind of goes for the throat, but I, I think that really reflects today. Um, it, you know, finding artists who who create dangerously today, uh, I think can be a challenge. I, I think that there is because is there's really an underground anymore. Uh, it's hard. It's hard to know because everyone has to promote. And before, you know, an underground, you know, someone would print flyers and they'd post it around the neighborhood. And, and you know, here's the old abandoned mill where you'll come see the bands um, as they're stealing electricity. And I <laughs> I remember going to those things in Providence. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know that that can happen anymore because mm-hmm. everyone will, will post this is where it is. So is there even an underground to, to where people can foster uh, or artists can foster their their craft and creating dangerously I mean I don't know
1: mm-hmm. yeah I think one of the things that concerns me about that is the death of the movie theater itself right now uh, everything that makes it to the theater is a big budget Hollywood production That it is difficult to track down and find those underground films that um, you know, uh, now are, are sitting on a top of the sight and sound film pole. Uh, but uh, I, I don't know where those films are coming from today and how, and how to access them.
2: Well, I think the thing also that we question today is there isn't, you know, we're back in a time when there isn't a pipeline for indie film to big screen, right? We're we no longer in the era of Sundance bringing us clerks. Right, Um, you know anything that comes from the supposed indie sector something that already came with a budget from day one you know um we're not we're not making movies on our credit cards and on a uh flood insurance money anymore so i think that is the question that being said i do think i do think that there is underground art but i don't think that it's getting as big as maybe more in music, I don't know what the music market is like, I have to be honest, um, I just go to the shows. Uh, I don't know <laughs> what the um, path to the top is, but I think um, we're, we're no longer in an era where the underground stuff that you do see is going to make it to a brighter audience than maybe just locally, um, or in small sectors where they know people or where they can get attention. I think um you know but i'm sure skip has a different opinion on that
0: uh i don't um oh okay <laughs> I, I i i don't know either um and 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 the funny thing is i i i think people and i don't know if it's post-covid see i think people uh are, want to to see things we we, we have a, a library poetry t- tour now with the mm-hmm. foundation and you know and it's we we have poets in in the milford library and the uxbridge library and um we were moved to the basement of the unitarian church in uxbridge because mm. so many people are coming mm-hmm. it's it's a bigger space which mm-hmm. shocked me i mean when we we started the program i i was thinking hey you know if i get two people to start and we build from there i'm mm-hmm. happy so i i think people wa- want to experience the arts and i think back to Camus. Um, our, our his where he was historically and where we are now, in some ways, are not that different. He 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 did this at the collapse of fascism, mm-hmm. but we are still somewhat around uh, the rise of of uh, a new wave of of fascism. You know, and it's not just here; it seems to be globally. I mean, we can look look at um, Brazil, we can look at Italy right now um the 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 prime minister in Italy was is part of the same party that that Mussolini belonged to and it's crazy that there's this this need for and, and I'll a side note the 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 I um in Italy this this whole new movement rise of fascism is is based on um Tolkien's books about the hobbits um I'm like what <laughs> you know, that, I think that gets to Camus philosophy of absurdism yeah. as well like I, I I've never read the books I'm not a fantasy person I didn't really see the movies but um Lord of the Rings things but I, I don't think that that's about fascism I don't think that's about having one particular leader who to tells I mean, everyone that, what to do
2: well there's one ring to rule them all Skip
0: <laughs> so, but don't don't they have to throw it somewhere
2: that's later that's later <laughs> you're getting yeah. ahead of yourself here yeah.
0: that's the part I remember because you know. <laughs> well I only I walked in the room and it was being played I just I, and I, God bless anyone who likes it I'm just it's not my fantasy not my thing um and actually I don't believe in God so I really can't say God bless you either because that's that's kind of false but I I, I think to create dangerously, to I mean, can someone create dangerously today uh, it, with with the rise of fascism? And and the only things that I see creating dangerously are are like crap comedians who will make bad jokes and then say, "Oh my God, look, they're trying to cancel me! I'm so dangerous!" And and they don't even they know they're not going to be canceled. They know that they're going to get pressed by saying someone's trying to cancel me. I mean, yeah. Rose Roseanne Barr is you know doing this thing. I'm the only one who who is canceled as she's you know promoting a special like okay how do you have a special then if you're canceled you're not um so we we don't even have that i can find or see artists today uh, uh, addressing the political climate of Mm. of what's actually happening Mm
1: -hmm.
0: um i mean maybe like adam mckay did with um don't look up
2: Mm -hmm. or vice
0: Uh, right um vice was great I, yeah. actually I love both of them
2: mm-hmm.
0: but um it I I find it difficult to find that type of art uh, that's success maybe I should say that's accessible mm-hmm. to people
2: well I think the question is you know we're not we're not there we're not there yet let me say that we're not um at Russian standards yet of fascism quite yet but I I think of pussy riot and all the issues that they got into and really any person who is outwardly and loudly queer in Russia, um, the struggles that they're going through. And I think, you know, um, it makes me think of how America's uh, global impression is that we're all fat and lazy. And it's kind of that thing where are we protesting enough, you know?
1: Yeah, and I think you made a really interesting point about when... Camus wrote this as they were coming out of fascism, and now mm. we're kind of drifting into it. I think one of the difficult things about creating Dangerously now is that some, some fascist governments, even in the U.S. right now, like uh, in in Florida, I would almost consider mm. that a fascist government there, are removing materials that even discuss Racial injustice. To mm-hmm. Discuss homosexuality, trans rights, and right mm-hmm. now. So right now, the the definition of creating dangerously has, has shifted. So to where you can be considered to be creating dangerously just for creating while trans or mm-hmm. or while while black. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it's. I, I, I think a lot about the Overton window and and how it's shifted and and how that's uh maybe i wonder how Camus would have seen these times as we're mm-hmm. we're drifting closer to fascism
2: absolutely that
0: that's that's a good point um mm-hmm. just you know the identity politics just mm-hmm. by creating as you are um mm-hmm. uh, some, people, some people find dangerous
2: mm-hmm. one of the things i think of is um being trans in this society is in itself a creation, a creation of yourself as a new person, right? A creation of of who you are, because becoming yourself is in its own sense a creation, right? Going from this fetal thing that your parents told you versus who you are as a person and a human outside of that household is an act of creation. And I think, especially for trans youth, or trans adults who are going through this at a later stage—it's a huge moment of creating dangerously in a society where, even in our safe little bubble of Massachusetts, New England is still dangerous.
0: Yeah, I think that that gets falls into maybe you know beyond fascism, but it but it's the, the Christian fascism because um, somehow they've they've taken a book mm-hmm. and made it so all of anyone who isn't them. Um, it, it is is a threat to what whatever it is that they see the world is mm-hmm. is supposed to to be, and and I, I that's true. I mean, I, I think some people just just by being are creating dangerously, mm-hmm. just by being their authentic self, which is is uh, you know go to any bookstore and just look at all the sh- shelves of self help books mm-hmm. to help people find themselves. And then when somebody finds themselves and tells us, we go, well, not, not that. (laughs) We don't, we don't mean you can be that. Um, It's, it's such a strange thing. We talk about, you know, you know, freedom and freedom of choice. But do we really have any Mm -hmm. to to start with? Because I am a product of, of my parents. So by the accident of birth, I was born in this town to this group of people, to, to this gender, to this race. In this economic bracket, so I already had all those things in me, but you know, as I was just a brain full of mush before I could even become anything else. So some things were already d- defining me before I even had a chance to 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 become who I I think you know you know I should mm-hmm. be.
2: Your point on the self help books and and overcoming things and caring for your mental health makes me think of there's a great Audre Lorde quote that is caring for yourself is not self-indulgence, it's self-preservation. And that alone is an act of warfare, right. Or political warfare, um, you know, caring for yourself in this society is, is rebellious and and learning who you are and overcoming what society does to you.
1: Yeah. I don't even think that's that far afield of from Camus. He talked a lot in this essay about freedom and what freedom actually is. Uh, that it's it's not it's not necessarily what we think of that there, there, there are freedoms in the constraints uh, uh, and, and recognizing those constraints in our lives you you mentioned how you grow up and how that was kind of a constraint on on who you are. I, I feel the same thing. I grew up as a privileged white guy in the society and I'm only now just coming to grips with what that means and and the advantages that I had um, where, where I was kind of kind of debating with Camus as I was reading this is is he talks about uh, w- th- when you create art with you know extremes of of good and evil that just creates melodrama and and I definitely agree but getting back to the fascism part of it it does feel like as a society now more than I remember in the rest of my life, there there are, it does feel like there are dividing lines now, at least for me, between good and evil. And how do we express that in art uh, in a way that's dangerous, but not melodramatic?
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you, because I, I don't agree with that. Um, I mean, I, <laughs> I, I think that there is evil. I mean, I, I you know, just watch Renee's uh, Night and Fog, which is supposed to be, uh, you know, a feature length documentary, he can only do 40 minutes of of the Mm -hmm. abandoned um, concentration camps before he it was too overwhelming to him. And if we don't see that, that, you know, was was evil. um, is beyond me. I mean, this, this is, I think, uh, creating dangerously in America, this is the problem here is that we can't look at, at the 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 crimes and the and the evil of our past and acknowledge it to then move forward and and i'm not sure why that is i'm not sure how it's offensive to say um the founding fathers had slaves i mean we all know it
1: i i I mentioned earlier that you know I've, i've only recently begun to understand my level of privilege as a male as a straight guy as a white guy Uh, but I have learned and I, 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 believe I have learned to be better, but that comes at a price in, in that I now know all of the mistakes I made in the past. I know all of the ways that I've hurt people. Those don't go away. Uh, I, I have to continue to live with them. And I think for, it seems like for a lot of people, it's easier to just deny that you, are a person who can make mistakes and can grow and learn because it's easier to just than having to deal with the fact that you've 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 messed up and and that that in in doing so you've hurt people.
0: I've I've been in therapy for you know 20 years now 20 plus years so you can insert you can insert your your Woody Allen joke here <laughs> but only that joke. <laughs> only the joke about therapy um, you know, being in therapy forever. Um, so, uh, you know, I've, I've been taught to be introspective, um, but I had to be taught to be introspective, Mm -hmm. which is insane. Um, we, we should all, you know, that should be something that's taught at a very young age. So people can always, uh, it is so easy for me to now to admit I'm wrong. When we were, you know, talking about, um, ideologies earlier like conservatives or, or or the fascists i'm not even sure that ideologies exist anymore in that sense because i used to i used to think you know I'm, I'm i'm left-leaning and sure i probably am in some things and probably not in other things but i i don't see because whoever's in charge here on on either any place the goalpost keeps changing mm-hmm. Because what a conservative was when I was a kid is not what a conservative is now. No, no,
2: absolutely, it's not.
0: So I, it's more their own identity politics, their own. I'm a Republican and whoever the Republican is, that's fine. Or whoever the Democrat mm-hmm. is, that's fine. But whenever I come across someone that, that I don't agree with, uh, I, 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 you know, I can't really I don't want to stand fully you know, firm in my beliefs, because there are tens of thousands of philosophies, ideologies, and theologies out there. And I think it would be arrogant of me to say, hey, I stumbled across the one that is right, with complete ignorance of so many others that I don't even know what they are. Um, So I've done my best to try to listen. Probably grinding my teeth while I'm listening, but I've done done my best to, to say... Because they they have the same issue. They uh, people believe that that they have found the right thing, and it goes back to they they found the right thing simply by accident of birth, of where they were born, who they were born to, the economic status they were born to. They they didn't find it. They, this is what they were just taught was it, and then you know they believe it. I mean I, and I don't know how to overcome that, and and I and even trying to address that. I think right now, actually, what we're doing is creating <laughs> dangerously in this podcast. I can see a lot of people going, "I'm not listening to that."
2: I think you really hit on it talking about social media and and social media plus the internet. You know the the phenomena of the echo chamber where you just keep getting confirmation bias. The the internet, Google, Facebook, Instagram, this you know what people refer to as like the algorithm, right? It's, it's all a confirmation bias, and this was, I worked on a show when I was um, working at GBH called Point Taken, and it was a debate show, and part of my role on that show was as a researcher to, do, to research both sides of the debate, whether I agree with it or not, and one of the things that became very clear in doing that research of both sides is um, that you really are given by the internet what you want to hear. Because there's so much out there on social media, on Google. Like, if you think your Google search is unbiased in any way, it is not. It, for a fact, is not. And I know, like, this is this is old news to a lot of people. But if you search Google for ISIS, the average American is going to get negative articles on ISIS. Um, and I had to search ISIS for this show because I'm now dating myself. Uh, but <laughs> it I had to search ISIS for this show and it took me probably a good hour to dig deep enough in my Google search to be able to find pro-ISIS websites, which were based oftentimes in the Middle East. I—I I, It took me forever to find there. They actually have an internal marketing team that maintains a website, an online magazine, or they did at the time. And it took me forever to find that because Google was like, you're based in America, you work at a liberal TV station, this the search is coming from inside that building. Why are you looking for this? Your your position must it can't be pro-ISIS. What are you doing? So, you know, I think I think that's part of the problem you're describing, Skip, is that we are we ourselves already want to filter out conflict. So we'll unfollow people. We'll unfriend them, we'll mute them for 30 days or whatever we need to do on social media. But the apps and programs and algorithms and websites themselves are also already doing a lot of muting for us. And we don't realize that because it's all happening behind the scenes.
0: Well, that's, that's cherry.
2: <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> this is, this is why for like every five, uh, google searches i do that are politically leaning i then do like five more that are like republicans good vote donald trump QAnon, and then throw that all out there so then it doesn't know what to do with me
0: (laughs) that's that's good that explains um what comes up whenever i do a catholic search then (laughs) (laughs) who knew (laughs) so any any examples do you have of, of art or artists that you think now but besides uh, later we're going to do a list of five but any others that you would like to to you know we, we mentioned adam mckay and i think he'll probably come up again when we discuss you know satire and absurdism
2: um so i want to start my my artist uh i was thinking about this and um i want to bring up lizzo if you don't mind no you, going back Let's to that on. Audre lord quote Lizzo has made a brand of loving yourself as as a um, movement. She's made a movement out of it and I really think that that's remarkable in this day and age, especially as she says in, you know, her latest album, um, being a larger Black woman, you know, loving herself in a society that just knocks her down on so many fronts. Um, You know, she talks about doing self-work. She talks about treating herself well and loving herself and men admiring her. And that is revolutionary in, in the society we live in at the moment. I think.
1: I love that example because she's also, uh, using her art to speak for a lot of people, but Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it, it fits right into the, I think the sweet smart spot that, uh, Camus was talking about where her, her art is, uh, accessible and relatable uh but it's still dangerous
2: Mm -hmm. and i i think it has she has this prince and david bowie quality to them where and this is one of the issues i drew with camus essay is that i feel like both prince and david bowie evolved time and time and time again that i never you know they never maybe they felt it but they didn't speak to it getting lost in the artist shroud you know they kept changing what that looked like and kept create whenever they wanted to create differently or at least bowie did prince had some of his own issues um so but yeah she has that that same thing where she's you know going out there as herself and um appealing to the public as a whole you know there are obviously going to be people who go against her but I feel like you know, a lot of times satire can be glossed over, whereas if you're listening to a pop song, it gets in there and you don't realize it.
1: Yeah. Actually, uh Andrea, your are mentioning of Lizzo made me think about Donald Glover. Oh uh, yeah. Who, oh yeah. Who you know, had had a career as a successful comedic actor. Uh at, but then used that 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 fame, that power to to as childish Gambino create um, this is America. And what I think that's a fantastic example of of dangerous art. I, have you guys seen the video? Oh yeah that song? yeah mm-hmm. yeah uh, and it, not only was it powerful and and political and and pointed, but it also was so effective that it became hugely popular.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: He, he's no I totally agree with that um so I I, I put two together in this because I find I found this this is a performance art piece um uh, and if the first one is Yoko Ono um in 1964 she did a piece called cut piece which is where she pretty much sat on a stage and just left a pair of scissors there and then invited people from the audience to come on and just cut her clothing, um, and completely subversive. Um, even though at times she says it was more about a Buddhist statement allowing people to, to be free, as opposed to a statement on women uh, being being objectified. Um, but but I initially, I her initial response was it was about you know women being objectified, and then ten years later. I think it was 10 years in my notes here. Yeah. In 1974, uh, Marina Abramovich did, uh, she took it to the next level in rhythm zero where she just laid out all sorts of things on a table, including a loaded gun and allowed people to come up and do whatever they wanted to her. I mean, she, she just pushed it to the limit. And, and I think the fact that both of them used audience participation, um, and the people did it, um, which is astounding to me, um, sp- speaks volumes uh, uh, of, of both of those performances. The, this was Yoko, pre, pre-Beatles Yoko, but um, it, it was incredibly bold, incredibly brave in both 1964 and then 1974, because if you look at the, the backlash of this, the 70s feminist wave of feminism, I mean, all you have to do is look at cinema, and, you know, and what what um, edgy '70s movie didn't include a rape? Um, mm-hmm. You know, it was it's it was everywhere in 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 art then because there was this huge backlash to to the the feminism of the '70s, the Gloria Steinem uh, wave of feminism, and uh, and Marina Abramovich just took showed that publicly at, at a completely new level, and she she got hurt doing it. Because people mm-hmm. were insane. Um, again, this goes to was more the tyranny of the masses than anything.
2: I think performance art is is very daring and grows more daring all the time um, in very interesting ways because they keep building on each other. Um, and Abramovich, it's funny because as soon as you mentioned Gioco's piece, I went and, and looked up Marina's um, because I was like, wait, isn't that didn't Marina do something like that? And because all her work is so. Um, she was one of the people that I was considering to put on my list and I, I'm glad I have backups now, but, um, <laughs> 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 she's, uh, she's amazing as an artist because her work is daring and looks at things from a very feminine perspective in a world that doesn't often care for a female perspective. Similarly with Yoko, I mean, creating as Yoko does is very, um, um, maligned often and i think it's dangerous and daring to keep creating in a world that keeps trying to blame you for a lot of things
0: yeah i i i, I think when when if people watch the get back documentary they saw that um yeah, it wasn't yoko who was the problem um it, it, it wasn't that and and she she never really got credit as an artist. I don't know if you've read her, her, her first book, Grapefruit. Um, and John Lennon eventually admitted in in 1980 interview, um, that yeah, she probably should have gotten a co-writing credit for Imagine, because the, the whole grapefruit is, is her saying, Imagine this, imagine that. It, it's it's and he took it from her and wrote, you know, this iconic song. Uh, and no one At the same time, everyone blames her for the breakup of the Beatles.
2: I think also something that's not well known is, um, well, I don't know how well known actually, but John Lennon is not historically very good to women um, in his (laughs) life.
0: I think it's well known.
2: (laughs) Well, you say that, but I know a lot of people that when you're like, you know, John Lennon was like, you know, not great people are like, no, John Lennon, imagine all the people, peace, love. And you're like, eh, yeah, <laughs> but I mean, that's the thing is that it's no surprise to me that that's a shadow that Yoko has to come out of. I I don't doubt that it's partially a shadow of his own making. And um, I'm always surprised that she hasn't talked about that um, and, and stays very, and I wonder if it's self-preservation in some way that she stays so true to his shadow
0: yeah I I th- I well I mean I don't know that she's staying true to no she is kind of she's leaving the shadow out of it I think she has I think she has at times mentioned it I mean I think he he she helped him grow as a human and he admitted that that he was like trash to women um so and I think that there is there's something to be said, I think, for, for us to allow people to grow. Hmm. Um, and and, you know, we can't keep demonizing for something that they've, they've moved, moved beyond. I keep, I keep, I mean, there are plenty of reasons to talk trash about Eric Clapton. Um, (laughs) but, but the fact that it keeps coming up that he went through this racist period in the early seventies, as if he's still a racist now, when he shares a stage with buddy guy okay you know no I I think mm. he's he's addressed those things he's moved beyond it um th- there are are people within the community who embrace him mm-hmm. because he he grew from it um and and we don't seem to want to acknowledge the 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 growth part of it which also it, it that's the same thing as not acknowledging you know uh the the past of the United States Mm. if we want we want to acknowledge that so we can grow so if somebody acknowledges what they've done and they've grown mm-hmm. yay that's that's you know you're human and you became better but yeah in clapton you know clapton is Clapton. is his he i i cut him a lot of passes uh because he lost a kid um and people who lost a kid you know often do crazy things mm.
2: and and, <laughs> and
0: stupid things mm. um but I, I I don't know that you know denying COVID is is probably you know the good thing to do if you you know hey I lost a kid you can lose one too ignore COVID um, that's probably not the
1: best message Eric um, yeah that's the thing that makes it difficult for me with Eric Clapton I I understand that that uh, he seems to evolved in terms of of the racism but also. COVID denial is closely linked to other right wing ideologies, including racism. And he's also kind of anti-immigrant. So it, it makes me question how much he's actually grown. I, I I agree that we have to let we have to let people grow and we have to give them that chance and mm-hmm. we have to forgive. Um, but uh sometimes actions speak louder than words. And I always I always wonder about that with Clapton.
2: Well I think that's yeah. its whole own discussion, right? Is the the artist before the artist during and the artist after trauma at the same time as how do we separate the art from the artist? You know, it's, I mean, you can like Roman Polanski is a great example because we have art from, from, I mean, he, he endured trauma his whole life, but he also created trauma. So what, how do you deal with that? You know, you, you have to look at it and, and think like, like, how much of this is from the life that he lived from a very young age on and how much of this is him not being a good person. And, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot to dig into there. And I mean, he's just one example out of dozens.
0: No, it's a good one because right. The horrific past. And then, you you know, then being ancillarily involved in the Manson murders, Mm. um, you know is, is horrifying but I, I i his the trauma he caused is is also equally horrifying
1: mm-hmm. and
0: he ran away from it
1: mm-hmm. that
0: that's that's the thing that sticks with me um he he didn't he didn't man up i hate that phrase but but yeah. he 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 didn't he didn't take full responsibility for what he did
2: no, he ran away from it, and then he wrote an entire book about his life, explaining why it was okay that he did it. Yeah, so it's yeah. not, not great.
0: No, but I'll still watch Chinatown, eh. <laughs> Rosemary's Baby. So we've each named Patrick. Did you? Yes, you did.
1: Um, I brought up David Glover.
0: Okay. So do we? Is with I'm, were those part of your five or were these just others?
2: Part of my five.
0: Okay. Well, we want to, let's finish the list then. Let's okay. finish our lists.
2: <laughs> I'm going to start by building on um, Patrick's comment because it reminded me immediately of Jordan Peele um, mm. and his good work. And again, moving from comedy, you know, climbing the ranks through comedy till you can make that movie deal that really um, allows you to make, so many fascinating movies that are commentary on society and race and how the media and other people and specifically white people treat um, race. So I think he's fascinating. Um, I also had three more after that. I had Miyazaki on here because a lot of Miyazaki's work, though it's geared, which I think... (laughs) smart in its own way geared towards children is about environmentalism and i think in a time when so much of our uh money is being so much of not our but the government and corporations money is being spent to silencing an environmental message um making films for children about how environmentalism is important is a daring thing to do um And then I am going to end it with four women, but three I I grouped together similar to Skip, uh, Skip's Yoko and Marina grouping. So the first one is just one Issa Lopez who made the great film Tigers Are Not Afraid, um, which talks about homelessness um, in Mexico city, specifically uh, child homelessness. And if you haven't seen it it's an amazing film um she's actually working with uh she has a film in development with Guillermo del Toro and she's um been directing uh and she directed an episode of True Detective and I think she's doing the latest season or did the latest season that came out of that so she's she's coming to America but Tigers Are Not Afraid was sort of her um bridging film and it's fantastic and then um the last one I'm grouping together uh are the three J's, Jamie Lee Curtis, Jane Fonda, and Jessica Lange. And the reason I'm grouping them is because they are all maintaining careers in older age, which as a woman in Hollywood, going from a sex symbol to a respected actress is, as we've seen, very difficult to do, (laughs) daunting, and oftentimes does not end well for women so i i thought they deserve some respect for that
0: oh, absolutely that that's a that's a, a great one um i didn't see 80 for brady yet but yeah that that's
1: uh <laughs> <laughs> i've heard that's pretty dangerous
0: art i, I think it is but uh, you know but there um the show she did with uh lily tomlin again lily tomlin's mm-hmm. it, actually was dangerous in a lot of ways
2: it was um, it was grace and frankie yeah great um, show Well, they approach sexuality in it for women of that age. And that's something, even in the show, their kids are like, we don't want to hear about your sexuality because that's what society tells women who are over basically the age of 45 over and over again. Is like, you're not allowed to be sexual. You're the crone now. You're the crone. You're a mother. You're a crone. You know, you're not hot. You're not sexy. You're old. And I think them talking about their sexuality and, um, Jane Fonda, who is Barbarella yeah. talking about her sexuality is brilliant. You know, you, you, and I think it's important because they really do approach the elements that are true for that age, you know, like what happens, what, what does sex look like after menopause for women? Um, and they approach it very
1: frankly.
0: Fun show. Patrick?
1: Patrick? It's funny that you you mentioned Jamie Lee Curtis because on my list is uh the Daniels, Daniel Kwan and, and Daniel Scheinert, who who are working within the studio system and doing something that I feel is rare these days, and that is working in the studio system and really creating unique films. Um, Everything Everywhere All at Once was was one of my favorites of the past year. Um and uh, dealt with a lot of dangerous themes in a in a fun way, and in a way that I felt was was fair to all of the characters. Uh, next on on my list is um, Natasha Lyonne, uh, who uh, is uh, started out uh, as as uh, kind of a mainstream actress, went through some struggles in the early two thousands but is really coming into her own and as a producer and and writer, um, creating some, some dangerous TV out there, even when it doesn't. So, so there's uh, her show Russian doll, which is on Netflix, very, uh, very unique way of looking at the world, but it felt, felt real at the same time. And, and she's currently, uh, a producer and star on, on a show called Poker Face, which feels like a, a throwback to, uh, you know, the Columbo days, but is also dealing with, uh, dealing with our current society in, in ways that I think are, are fun and unique and, and a little bit dangerous. Um, then, uh, next one on my list was, uh, Bong Joon-ho. I don't know if I'm pronouncing <laughs> correctly. uh uh edit that skip if if it's if I, okay I you're an remember.
0: old white man you're you're yeah. supposed to <laughs> say it wrong
1: but he he also is uh he he also deals with uh issues uh, involving class and um and and society in a way that's pointed but also subtle uh uh and uh he's getting he's getting a lot of eyes on his films uh, and these themes and uh next on my list uh, uh somebody actually andrea already mentioned guillermo del toro who uh just uh he has a fantastic way he has his own vision of the world is a fantastic way of translating that vision into a form that's that's accessible and uh, also uh, definitely not somebody who's uh, afraid to talk about fascism right. uh, even even in uh, a children's film like his, his version of Pinocchio, mm-hmm. which uh, was fantastic. And then uh, the last one on my list, maybe it's just because I recently saw the film and it's on my mind, but uh, Todd Field who directed Tar, uh which uh also deals with a lot of uh, deals uh, with a lot of the uh of our current societal woes uh but he's he's uh not afraid to have a 20 minute scene of two people talking uh <laughs> and uh turn it into something that that's entertaining so uh that was my list and skip yours
0: that that that's that's good. I mean, you you guys, I'm I'm glad you um used more current day, uh, people because
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> mine mine may not um, but it does it does include one and and I it's Spike Lee, and and I think um, I mean to this day watching Do the Right Thing again is just it's oh. just unbelievable how how daring it was and and artfully it's such an artful film um but but he's it, it's funny because he's so outside of the system but yet he wants to be acknowledged by the system you know he, he gets you know he's he's one of the ones who gets insulted if he you know the oscars uh, ignore him and and oscars are just such bullshit anyway it's yeah. all it's all like real bullshit. It's 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 just money and campaigning. It has nothing to do, do with art. And art, subjective as it is, so there really isn't a best picture.
2: Yeah. Especially I, as we've seen with Andrea Riseborough this year, and the yes. fact
0: that yeah, well, you campaigned differently. <laughs>
2: it's a <the> campaign. <laughs> it's
0: you broke the campaign rules. You know that's ridiculous. You didn't,
2: you didn't spend money to campaign. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no graft for us um but uh, you know it he it's it's a am- i i do think that he has a point though even though i i think oscars a bullshit, because when i look he he finally won for the screenplay for black klansman um of the movie that had adam driver um but i i absolutely love five bloods i think that's a brilliant movie I think I rate that up there with do the right thing especially the the brave choices where he didn't they use the same actors to, to even though they were you know like 40 years difference um and that didn't get nominated for anything but there's no white people in it so I thought <laughs> <laughs> curious um but he continues to to I I think put push uh those envelopes um I uh I this is a, an odd one because it's more of someone who uh edited a book but I put I picked Howard Zinn in the people's history of the United States I I think um he created uh something tangible for us to hold that that tells us more of the American history that that we need to know uh and that we need to learn and I think I think he created a, a very dangerous textbook um I have uh Diamanda Galas who um Anna has to leave when I put her records on um litanies of Satan I don't know what's that's not a Sunday morning coffee album (laughs) Um, (laughs) but um but her her uh, Mask of Red Death trilogy uh that she did during the the AIDS epidemic is is still incredibly powerful and moving and and lastly, I, I did Michel Duchamp uh, and in particular his his uh, sculpture The Fountain, which is a urinal, um, uh, and and it was he was a big part of the Dada movement, which was uh, created at the rise of fascism, which is where we are now. That's why I saved him for last. Um, and and it was uh, basically you know an arts movement that where. And I think we'll discuss it in the next episode a little more. But it's where um, they use nonsense as a way to make sense of a word, the world that doesn't make sense. Um, and it's I I wonder where is where is the new Dada movement because we are definitely in a time where nothing makes sense. Um, you know, David Burns stopped making sense. Actually, he his um, uh, I Zimbra is uh, that his song I Zimbra is based on uh, a Dada poem. Um but um yeah so th- those are mine. Uh I'm I'm glad um the ones you guys picked because they're so present. So we are seeing actual people today who are creating dangerously that that I I think we need to celebrate. And and when um there will be links uh later for everyone whoever anyone would mentioned, you'll be able to link to them uh on, on our website and um Thank you all very much. Uh, we are our next episode is actually it, it delves into uh, uh, the philosophy of, of absurdism and satire, uh, which is I think a big part of absurd. Oh, look at that! I look like I'm like I'm ending a news show. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: good night and good luck.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, you need all the luck you can get.
2: <laughs> um, <laughs> all
0: right. Uh, th- any any final words, you guys?
1: No, thanks for having us. Yeah, no, thank you. That's something you say at the end of podcasts, right?
0: (laughs) Well, I'm I'm always going to have you because you guys are always on. So (laughs) Um, thank you all, and we'll see you next time.
1: May I have your attention, please? I think you all remember the bargain we made about staying all night.
0: No such deal, Vincent. Go home. Thanks for joining us today, folks. Our opening and closing themes are by Shane Ivers. Creating Dangerously, a monthly podcast, is a production of the Shauna E. Shea Memorial Foundation, Inc., a 501c3 charitable organization. All views and opinions expressed in Creating Dangerously are not necessarily those of the Shauna Foundation and its affiliates. Not that we have any. They are only the opinions of the hosts and the guests. See you next month, and remember, keep creating dangerously.